Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Scientists in Tech, a mini-series on DTNS. I'm Dr. Nikki Eckerins, and today I talk to Grant Coffey. He's the Research Database Manager at Crow Canyon Archaeological Center in southwestern Colorado. He pilots drones to survey ancient Pueblo archaeological sites and find structures that are otherwise difficult to see. If you wouldn't mind presenting yourself, your full name, what you do, and why you're here. Hi, yeah, I'm uh, Grant Coffey. I'm the database manager here at Crow Canyon Archaeological Center. Uh, so I manage the database that we've compiled of uh, archaeological fieldwork over the past 30 plus years. And as part of that um, job description, I also do a lot of GIS work and I'm the drone pilot. Um, I fly the unmanned aerial vehicle for Crow Canyon uh, to record our excavations and other field work that we do. That's very cool. Can you explain what GIS is for our listeners? Yeah, it's geographic information systems, and basically it's a, it's a way of getting really precise geographic information about just about anything on the planet. You know, um, road builders, dam builders, uh, engineers, everybody uses GIS uh, information and technology. So how do you measure that? Well, there are a number of ways. Um, one of the most prolific ways that you find your location on the planet is through a GPS global positioning system. Mm -hmm. And that's a constellation of satellites that orbit the earth and they use triangulation uh, to specifically pinpoint your location on the planet using this constellation of satellites that are out there in space. And it's really a highly accurate and very usable way of, of finding your location on the ground. There's, there's also other ways you can do it, um, but that's probably the most prolific way folks do it today. Sure. And so just very quickly, but what's Crow Canyon's main focus in, in archaeology? Just so people can get a sure. basic understanding. Yeah, well, we we conduct archaeological research in the context of public education. So we try to involve the public as much as we can in our field and lab work. That includes everybody from middle school students through adults that are interested in participating in our programs. And we try to do all of this in partnership with our Native American collaborators and partners. We have a Pueblo advisory group that really has a proactive input into our research design and the way we conduct our field and lab work. So we really try to involve the public as much as we can and, and collaborate as much as we can with our, with our Native American and Pueblo partners. Yeah, that's, that's really important. Straight on, I want to dive into the drone thing because that I'm so excited to hear how you do archaeology with drones. So please, you know, feel free to nerd out about that, that part. Sure, yeah. Drones are really exciting. You know, they've really opened up a whole new really realm of archaeology that we didn't have available to us before. You know, it's really a 
uh, relatively easy and it's getting less expensive all the time. It's, it's a way to really record in detail archaeological sites, context, features um, from the air using, using a drone. And there's different ways to do this. Um, probably the most prolific use of drones is for high-resolution aerial photography. So mm. a lot of drones have a camera attached to them. Um, depending on the type of drone, there's many different types of drones. There's fixed wing drones that actually look like a miniature airplane sure. with with a fixed camera stuck to the bottom of them. And they use those really to get information on really big areas. So if you're talking about pretty high acreage, a lot of land that you want to cover, oftentimes people use uh, fixed wing drones. Probably the most commonly used drone type in today's archaeology is a quadcopter. So it's basically, it's got four propellers um, that provide the lift and the thrust. And at the bottom of that, you've got what they call a gimbal, an attachment that a camera is attached to on the very mm-hmm. bottom. And, and you can control this remotely, obviously, because it's unmanned aerial vehicle, you're not riding it, but you're controlling it from, from the ground, usually with a remote control. And often you have a display that's provided through like a tablet or a cell phone where you can actually see what the drone is seeing and you can control it that way. Um, so just about every major archaeological contract firm or research institution has uh, drones available to them today in whatever form. And, and usually probably the, the main use of them is for taking aerial photographs, um, really high resolution aerial photographs. And once you have those photographs, that opens up a whole nother possibility of, of modeling um, that you can stitch all of these photographs together to create a three-dimensional rendering of the landscape and archaeological sites. So what specifically are you looking for when you go up in the air with your drone? You, you're going towards a site that you have a suspicion or you already know there's archaeological stuff there. And so what are you trying to see with your drone? It's a really good question. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot of different uses. Um, some people use them for what we call archaeological survey, um, just trying to go out on the landscape and see what you can find um, in terms of archaeological resources. So one way to do that is to programmatically fly a given section of land using different software packages where you can define the area of interest, the height of the flight that you want to take from a given point, and the amount of overlap that you want in all of your images and you can programmatically, it's like autopilot. Um, you, you fly oh, okay. this area in transects to just gather general information where you might see things like depressions or swales or differences in vegetative growth that may point to the presence of archaeological sites in a survey area. And another way is if you have ongoing excavations, for instance, you can take periodic uh, photographs and um stitch them together to show the excavations through time uh, through a process called photogrammetry so you can use it as a document you know uh, to document um, archaeological excavations as they're ongoing you can use it to survey for archaeological sites and and really you can use it um, in a lot of other ways ways that don't involve uh, photography. For instance, there's LIDAR-enabled drones these days where you can actually affix a LIDAR instrument to the bottom of the drone. And by LIDAR, I mean light detection and ranging where it's actually Mm -hmm. emitting a laser pulse and measuring the the time it bounces back to the scanner to create a really dense point cloud of 3D vector 
data that has X, Y, and Z coordinates, this giant point cloud. Um, <clears throat> for trying so you to, get like a 3D soil, or not soil, but like ground structure afterwards, and you can tell from that what kind of like what kind of structures are you looking at in your work? In our work, we're talking like castles. Are we talking? You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's a really good question. We work in southwestern Colorado predominantly, and we, we really focus on the archaeology of the ancestral Pueblo occupation of southwestern Colorado from about AD 500 to about AD 1280. So there's a variety of different features and structures that folks built in the area at that time. Mm-hmm. Probably some of the most common are pit structures or kivas, mm-hmm. um, which are circular subterranean structures that were built from about AD 1000 to AD 1280. And what they leave on the modern ground surface today is really a general kind of bowl-shaped depression at the surface. And it can be almost impossible to see from the modern ground surface, but oftentimes you can detect them by walking over them. And then we also get uh, room block rubble mounds. um, So they're like ancient kind of small type apartment buildings (laughs) buildings <laughs> sort of absolutely right? absolutely the, the the pueblos were their contiguous room blocks oftentimes particularly in the 1200s they're multi-story so and wow. in, in a lot of ways they, they would resemble um larger apartment buildings today with that are often associated with uh, subterranean features and structures like kivas it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. So when you collect this data from the drone work, you said you get point data from the LIDAR and then imaging data. You can then reconstruct these structures in 3D? You can. You know, the the way we do it in-house mostly is through the images themselves, through the photographs that you take from the air. And and what you do is you stitch those together in a process that's called photogrammetry. And really what photogrammetry means is you're making measurements essentially from photographs. Mm -hmm. And you have at least two photographs. And in each of those photographs, you have to have a comma point or a tie point between those. And And what it does is it figures out the perspective of the camera and the location of the camera 
when it took an image relative to that three-dimensional physical object that's depicted in both frames. Mm -hmm. So it's really triangulating, just like the GPS and just like our eyes do. You know, our eyeballs use uh, triangulation to, to figure out depth perception. And that's what right, photogrammetry, okay. that photogrammetry uh, software is doing. So what would the researchers do with this data? What, what can well, they find out? That's a good question. You know, the things that you can't really see easily on the ground, oftentimes you can pick up with drone work. So okay. another aspect of drone work is infrared photography. So mm. what, what you're doing is you're actually going beyond the visible spectrum in the electromagnetic spectrum to look at heat, essentially. It's kind of the same thing that your remote control uses to switch the channel on your TV oftentimes. But in infrared, what what you're looking at is essentially differences in vegetative growth on the landscape. So places where vegetation grows better or worse, and that gives off an infrared signature. And it's kind of a thermal signature, essentially, where it's cooler, better vegetation growth versus hotter, less vegetation growth. And differences in that can oftentimes point to things that you can't see with the naked eye, things like roads and trails that are really subtle, ancient roads and trails. So you'd have like worse vegetation growth over a trail because it it didn't have as much time to grow? That could be. Oftentimes, it's disturbed contexts where... I say that there's a berm that parallels a constructed road where they actually cleared portion of the roadway and, and piled uh, the excess material in a berm that parallels that road. Okay. Oftentimes in that disturbed sediment, vegetation will grow a little bit better than in that kind of hard packed, cleared area of the road. So you've okay. got these things in tandem that you can look for in infrared imagery, uh, potentially to detect roads. And it's, it doesn't work every time, but it's, it's definitely something. It's really that, cool that you see this from the sky and you see like maybe a line of less well grown trees and better grown trees. And you say, well, that could be an ancient road. And Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really exciting because it's really allowed us to kind of expand our perspective um, from just purely ground-based or, you know, one or two frames from an elevated position, having the capability to create these mosaics, these photogrammetry models that are really 3D models that you can take into GIS uh, software. It's really a powerful tool. Yeah. And and you said you work in the, the data what did you say it was? Data storage? Yeah, our research uh, database, which contains database. information from, from all of our excavations over the last 30 plus years. It's really robust and interesting data. How much data is that? Can you guess? Uh, <laughs> I should have the numbers right in front of me, but it's it's you know, it's thousands and thousands of records and it's it's uh, everything from provenience to field specimen information about individual artifacts that came out. Information about the sites, information about the photos. I, I should have looked up how many photos we oh, have. Oh, that's okay. Database, I'm sure it's a crazy amount. It, it's really large. It's a really large and powerful database. That a lot of different researchers uh, working at Crow Canyon over the years have compiled. And so, continuing on the uh, the drone thing because it's it's so cool. Uh, so you're the drone pilot. Is the drone the coolest piece of tech that you get to use in your job, like personally? Oh boy. Or- <laughs> 
I think it probably is the coolest. Um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to, to fly the drone commercially in the United States. You have to have an FAA certification, a mm-hmm. uh, small unmanned aerial vehicle rating with the FAA. So you have you do have to take a test, and that part's probably not the most uh, wildly fascinating part. But, <laughs> but once once you get the certification, you can go out there and you can use the drone to try to you know look for things that nobody's seen before and record these things with incredible detail. Some of these photogrammatic uh, models have accuracy down to like one centimeter that um, really was hard to do with, with other, other means of recording. So it's, it's really exciting and it's fun to do. So since you've been doing this drone work, what are some big findings that, that have uh, sort of jumped out at you? The ones that you're allowed to talk about, of course. (laughs) Yeah. One of the most exciting projects I've probably been a part of was a collaborative project where we worked with Canyons of the Ancients National Monument, um, Mm -hmm. which is uh, part of the Bureau of Land Management right here by... uh, uh, Crow Canyon Archaeological Center and a couple of private different uh, different private outfits. Route Scene, um, who's a mapping drone mapping outfit, okay. and uh, Caddis Aerial, who actually did the the, the flight. Uh, but we did a lidar flight of mm-hmm. uh, San Canyon Pueblo. It's a really large canyon head village that dates to the late 1200s, late AD 1200s. And we flew uh, a six prop drone, a big drone mm-hmm. over the area with the LIDAR device mounted at kind of an oblique angle because this site has a lot of trees and vegetation on it. Mm. And what we were able to do from that was we collected about 3.2 billion points of data over the site and it works out to about 400 points per square meter from the LIDAR data and Crow Canyon excavated at the site in the in the late 80s and 90s and so we were able to take this new LIDAR data that once we had all of the data collected we were able to peel off the trees and look Mm -hmm. at the bare earth um portion of the site where you can see all these subtle Kiva depressions and moon block rubble mounds and the remains of masonry towers and things and it was really remarkable um, how well the Crow Canyon map matched up to what we were seeing on the LIDAR. But so you guys there, did a good job. <laughs> but there were also some areas that, we, that, that showed things that weren't on the map, that, okay. that, we could, that you couldn't really see on the That's ground. Cool. You need to go back and ground truth. So it's, it's part of the scientific process, you know, um, going back and reevaluating things using new technology and trying to see things that you didn't see before. That must be really helpful instead of having to go in by foot and do everything to be able to just go in with a drone, especially in areas where I assume like hiking is not the best option. I mean, it is high desert. There's scrub everywhere. It's hot. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, and there's some things that you just when you're standing there on the ground, it's really difficult to get the perspective that you mm-hmm. can get. And and it's relatively quick. I mean, those we flew, I think, three different transects on those automated flights. And the whole thing took probably 45 minutes oh, wow, to, yeah. to, do, to do those flights. The processing time took a lot more. And, and route scene folks did a lot of the processing on that data. But still, it's, it's really quick when you say you wanted to map that with a high-resolution GPS. It would, be, it would take you, I don't know, at least four times that long, probably <laughs> much longer than days. that. Yeah, days <laughs> yeah. and days and yeah. days to, to get it done. So. So I have this curious question. I don't know what you're going to think, but if someone who's flying a drone for fun uh, sees an interesting depression in in uh, in their drone camera, what do you tell them to do? 
Well, you know, I I would encourage, you know, avocational folks and people who just do it for fun to be on the lookout. If, you, if you're flying it, say, over some farm ground that you have and you see something that's really interesting, get in, get in touch with your local uh, avocational archaeological group or professional archaeologists locally and send them a, a photo of it and, and see what they think. Because that's the way oftentimes new sites and features are recognized um, uh, these days. So, yeah, get Get in touch. If you have any questions, if you find something cool, get in touch with your local archaeologist. That's a perfect way to segue to how do people find you, Grant, if they want to get in touch with your work or they find a cool depression. I'm sorry if I send all the drone enthusiasts your way from this. Sure. Yeah. My, my email is on our, we have a website, Crow Canyon Archaeological Center. Just Google Crow Canyon staff. You'll be able to find it. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. You bet. Thanks again to Grant Coffee for coming on the show. You can find me on Twitter at Ackermans Nicole, and you can catch Scientists in Tech next week when I talk to Dr. Susan Lemberg about teleporting mice. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.